What's up, y'all? This is John, back with another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast, and this is a bonus episode. We've got a guest today, and that is Adam Van Brimmer. Go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners, Adam. Hi, John. As you said, my name is Adam Van Brimmer. I am an editor at the Savannah Morning News, savannahnow.com. And at one point in time, I, I like to say I'm a recovering sports writer. I started in journalism as a sports writer. And in my sports writing career, I covered college football, including Georgia Tech directly, and then indirectly did a lot of coverage of, of Georgia and other schools in the ACC and the SEC. And once you're a sports writer, and if you're a college football sports writer, you always follow the sport. I can't say that about some of the other things I cover, but I've continued to cover or follow college football very closely. And in addition to the professional background, I grew up uh, just outside of Columbus, Ohio, in farm country. Uh, from my house to the horseshoe is probably 30 minutes. And uh, when you're born there, you're you're an Ohio State fan. And I did not go to Ohio State. I uh, went to Ohio University. But Ohio University has – they're playing a bowl game today. But when I was there, football was not the biggest thing going at OU. So everybody at OU – basically planned their Saturdays around Ohio State, and that's pretty much it. I'm a Buckeye. Uh, I bleed the scarlet, and get, the scarlet and gray. You know, Ohio made their conference championship game this year. They did. Yeah, they did. They lost. Had to get one in. <laughs> um, well, let's go ahead and jump right into it here. Uh, so... We're going to do this one a little bit differently than we have before, and I want to start by just talking to me like I haven't watched any Ohio State games this season. Kind of give us a rundown of their performance. Sure. Certainly, they are now for their offense. Ryan Day is the head coach and took over for – he was on Urban Meyer's staff, and when Urban Meyer was pushed out the door, he was promoted as the head coach and comes in with a very high-powered offense. He's been very successful in recruiting skill position players that can really get the ball around. Obviously, C.J. Stroud, Heisman Trophy finalist, is their quarterback. Uh, they came in with a star-studded receiving core despite losing two guys to the NFL draft last year. Uh, and However, with that star-studded wide receiving core – whoops, sorry about that – with that star-studded – Wide receiving core, you lost the most high-profile guy, which was Jackson Smith and Jigba. He, of course, last year in the Rose Bowl had, I can't even tell you off the top of my head, it was a lot. It was a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Of and really kind of uh, burst onto the scene with that game and was coming into this season as, as the most highly regarded wide receiver in the country. He got hurt first game. Think he got in maybe one or two other games, but it was only for a player to, I believe it's a hamstring. And at this point, with the NFL looming, he's not going to push it for the playoff. So he is out, but that does leave Marvin Harrison Jr., who is the son of Marvin Harrison of Indianapolis Colts fan. And unlike his father, Marvin Harrison Jr. is tall and incredibly <laughs> athletic. And uh, you know, his father did was one of those one of those players that that did more with less. Well, his son is not that way. He is quite possibly the best receiver. So you lose Jackson Smith and Jigba, but you get Marvin Harrison Jr. And he's kind of picked up the mantle as, as one of the nation's best wide receivers. You also have a couple other uh, very talented wide receivers for C.J. Stroud to throw for. 
Uh, he had a uh, coming into the season a very vaunted running game. Uh, Travion Henderson, of course, last year was was a very highly regarded freshman. Ran for a lot of yards. Somebody could run it between the tackles. Can run it around the end. He's not been right all year. He's had some nagging injuries, and he is out for this game. His lead backup is a young man named Mayan Williams, who has been very, very effective uh, in his stead. I think uh, I look today, I think he's right up around 900 yards. But like Trevion Henderson, he's been fighting some injuries. He missed several games. They say he is full go for uh, for Saturday night. We'll see. Uh, he runs behind an offensive line that is it's an Ohio State Big Ten offensive line. It's it's big and it's quick and it's athletic and it's going to push people around. And uh, quite frankly, I, I am one of those odd people that when the ball is snapped, I like to watch what's happening uh, down in the trenches. And I think that that is, is something that when Ohio State has the ball is can the offensive line move Georgia around in order to run the ball? And in passing situations, can they keep the, the Georgia defense out of C.J. Stroud's face? Ohio State does not give up very many sacks, but that's not to say you can't still rattle C.J. Stroud without getting any sacks. Uh, on defense, defense was the issue last year. If, if folks remember, Ohio State was very highly regarded last year. They lost to Oregon in the regular season and, and basically got got embarrassed at home against Oregon and then came back at the end of the season and got embarrassed by Michigan on the road, which is why they missed the playoff. And that had largely to do with a defense that couldn't stop anybody. And what they did in the offseason was they went out and grabbed Jim Knowles, who was a very highly regarded defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State. I know it's hard to talk about a Big 12 school and say highly regarded defense, but Jim Knowles was was highly regarded. I think the Cowboys, I think they led the country in sacks last season. Like They were very good on defense. They were were pretty stout. And, uh, And so you bring Jim Knowles into Columbus, and the defense played was quite frankly, much more consistent than the offense was during the regular season until the second half of the Michigan game. And if, if people remember uh, Thanksgiving weekend, while Georgia was beating up on Georgia Tech, at least after the first couple of drives, Ohio State and Michigan were locked in a in a game that was, that was tied at halftime. Ohio State, quite frankly, had outplayed them, but it was very, it was a very close game. I I want to say Ohio State was up by a point or no more than three points. It was close. Uh, Michigan came out of uh, halftime and, and just blew Ohio State away. They ended up winning by 22 points. Um, Ohio State in their own stadium put up zero fight and really got embarrassed. And at that point, everybody's like, well, if if everything happens the way it's, it looks like it's going to happen, Ohio State's going to miss the playoff. Well, then, you know, Friday, the Friday before the the – Selection committee comes out. Southern Cal, who is ranked ahead of Ohio State, loses to Utah. And at the same time, um, LSU had lost the week before, which made the LSU Georgia game not for a not for a playoff spot for LSU. And everybody pretty much knew that Friday night that Ohio State was going to sneak in, and they were probably going to have to play Georgia. And that brings us to where we are today, where as somebody who. Um, can't stand Michigan and um, is friends with a lot of Georgia fans. The whole prospect of going through Georgia and Michigan to win a national championship <laughs> is, is a bit of a dream, but you got to win the games to get there. And uh, we're going to see tomorrow night exactly if, if they can at least take the first step. 
Yeah, and I mean, so that Michigan game, a lot of people, you know, that didn't watch it, they see the end, the final score, and they see the box score, and just think right. Michigan beat Ohio State the entire game. It was a four point game going into the fourth quarter. Like it was yeah. very much in hand. It just Michigan was able to have what was it three like seventy yard plays in the fourth quarter there, and yeah, yeah Michigan almost all their scoring plays were big plays in that game. It was. Right, it was what Ohio State had managed not to do all year, which was to give up these big, explosive, long touchdown plays. They 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 gave them all up in in one afternoon, and I think that's one thing. As and I'm sure we're going to talk about this is everybody. Georgia's heavily favored, even a spread's only six and a half points, but you know everybody thinks that Georgia's going to blow Ohio State out. So I think people need to remember Ohio State in a 12 game season had one bad half. Yeah, um, and it now. That one bad half comes against your rival at home and you roll over, that's not a good sign. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's one bad half. So I think uh, that's what's made this this week very, very interesting with my Georgia friends who are just <laughs> expecting they're, – they're expecting Georgia to roll Michigan or roll Ohio State the way Georgia rolled Michigan last year in the semifinals. And I think it is a mistake to think like that because the Georgia and Ohio State styles are very different. And Ohio State style definitely could exploit um, Georgia in the passing game, which I'm sure we're going to get to. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, what do you think the difference was? And I'm going to throw way back here: difference mm-hmm. between what we saw against the number one yards per play defense in Iowa, and then that game against Michigan. Because Ohio State put up 50-something points against the number one yards per play offense in the country. And then it seemed like at times they struggled to move the ball against Michigan. Yes, and, and certainly you saw that throughout the year. They they had some games where it was like a hot butter through knife, and then they had some games where they were just – they were stuck. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that – and I'm not, I'm not one of these Monday morning quarterbacks that's going to second-guess play calling, but – at the same time, and there's always a but, right? Is <laughs> Kevin Wilson or Ryan Day, whoever actually is pulling the trigger, Kevin Wilson is the offensive coordinator, whoever is actually making the final decision on the play calling had a tendency to get away from running the ball. And I know that that is a big frustration for Ohio State fans, but in part because traditionally that's what Ohio State is known for, right? It's Woody Hayes, it's three yards in a pot of dust. We're going to run the football. Um, and when you do transition to become more of a passing oriented team, there is a tendency in a, in a tight spot to, to, to throw the ball and, and to get away from running. And it's very, very easy, uh, to, to really go that direction. Now they'll probably sit there and say, well, the defense showed us this, so that's why we did that. But at the same time, and that's a big thing going into this game is if they don't have success running the ball early, are they going to end up throwing a football and, um, and extending the game, giving Georgia more plays, giving Georgia more opportunities um, to create some turnovers. And uh, that's that's really kind of my greatest fear. But, yes, it, there are times when Ohio State was offensively was clicking on all cylinders, and there's times when they weren't. The lack of consistency, I think, is what really um, haunts a lot of Ohio State followers. So what is the best thing that the Buckeyes do offensively? Throw the ball to Marvin Harrison. <laughs> and, uh, that's that's just it. He's just one of these receivers that get, is Stroud. And Stroud's incredibly accurate, too. Stroud is not one of these, you know, 
uh, we've had Barrett. We've had some. We've had some quarterbacks. Uh, Terrell Pryor had some really good quarterbacks that that maybe weren't a hundred percent accurate, and the receivers made them look uh, made them look really good. Now nah, this guy's really really good. He's going to put it on the money. But Marvin Harrison also is is he can get that separation. He can get into space. Uh, they're fortunate that you know they have he plays wide. They have uh, Igboku. I'm going to pronounce mispronounce the name in the slot. Um, they have uh, Julian Fleming on the other side, and they have a, a really good uh, tight end as well. So when you're when you're past defense, you're going to end up. You can't basically put somebody over the top of Marvin Harrison Jr. all the time. You know, when I was covering college football, I was fortunate in that I was covering Georgia Tech throughout Calvin Johnson's career. And, you know, we had Reggie Ball at quarterback, and he did not have very good complimentary receivers around him, and people could just roll safeties over the top. You cannot do that to Ohio State. And that's why a lot of times you're like, how in the world did, did Harrison get that wide open? You know, it's kind of like a couple of years in the national championship game when when Alabama played Ohio State, and the name is escaping me. He won the Heisman Trophy, uh, the wide receiver Devontae for Smith. Alabama. What's that? Devontae Smith. Yeah, Devontae Smith. It seemed like it seemed like they weren't even covering him, but it was one of those things that Devontae Smith had. Was it Calvin Ridley? I think maybe. I don't know if Ridley was there at that time. They had three or four guys that. Ohio State really couldn't roll a, a safety over top to to stop Devontae Smith, and they carved him up. And you really could see that same thing tomorrow with Georgia's secondary. Because I, you know, if you're going to ask me what I think Georgia's weakness is, that's their only weakness, in my opinion, is that secondary. So, yeah, and something we actually talked about earlier this week is Marvin Harrison is that rare kind of receiver that if he just gets the ball close to him. It's not a 50-50 ball. It is a 60-40 ball at worst and more than likely a 70-30. Yeah. Like, it, he was God-gifted to catch footballs, and that's what he does extremely well. Yeah, it's in the blood for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the best thing that the Buckeyes do defensively? Ooh, well, you know, prior to Michigan game, I would have said limit big plays. Uh, but uh, we saw against Michigan that they're vulnerable there as well. Um, I go back to the, the the Notre Dame game and the Penn State game. And obviously the Penn State game was dominated by a defensive end whose name I cannot pronounce. He's um, he's from he's Hawaiian or something to that effect, TMO Lulu or something to that effect. And he had a right. career game and, and just dominated the line of scrimmage in the Penn State game. And uh, at Notre Dame, I mean, granted, Notre Dame does did not does not have a quarterback. I think they're playing today with, with their third or fourth stringer. They're getting one, though, from what I understand, with Sam Hartman leaving Lake Forest to go to Notre Dame. But Ohio State, against those two teams, which are probably their two best opponents before they played Michigan, were really, really successful at limiting those, limiting Notre Dame and limiting Penn State from from big strikes. And Michigan kind of, Michigan kind of exposed that 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 was not always the case when McCarthy hit some hit some big passes early. And then, of course, um, they made the backup because Drew Corum, the Heisman Trophy caliber tailback, was hurt against Ohio State, played very little. And uh, Donovan Edwards came in in relief of him at tailback, and I think had two. He had two touchdown runs of over seventy yards, so he had a lot of yards. 
And uh, so that's, that's the real worry. And I know that Georgia is, you know, I guess Brock Bowers is a guy that can, that can really make a, a big play offense, but their offense is more going to kind of run, grind you down and, and, and control the ball and be multifaceted. Um, so Georgia, maybe that's not as much of a factor against Georgia, but that is really uh, something that you got to watch out for because if the high state cannot afford to give up 70 yard touchdown place, not that anybody can, but certainly a high state cannot. And so on the Georgia side, AD Mitchell is supposed to be hundred percent for the first game since week two. Um, mm-hmm. And Ladd McConkey is also supposed to be healthy. So they should be able to stretch the field some, but like I said, A.D. Mitchell has he's played one snap since between the Oregon game and the SEC championship. He played two offensive snaps. Right. So he'll every week it sounded like he was coming back, and then every week he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a source of frustration for us over here. (laughs) Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba was the same way. I can tell you that. Long season. So what is something that you think Ohio State can do to exploit something on this Georgia team? Well, it's it's on it's on Stroud and those receivers, but where where I have pause with that is is I watched the Tennessee game and I know what Georgia did um up front against uh you know somebody who he's he, he's not CJ Stroud, but he's not that far away from CJ Stroud. They really, really took care of of Hendon Hooker and uh and then the and the name is escaping me, but the just the absolute star wide receiver at Tennessee. Uh he Tom may not be Hyatt, Hyatt or uh Hyatt. Tillman. I think Hyatt, yeah. Yeah, the one that had like five touchdowns the game before they played um yeah, against, Hyatt. Uh, against Alabama. And um so that's you know, you look at that and you think, okay, so here's our chance to exploit Georgia, but in the biggest game of the season. Georgia came to play and, and shut down an offense that is not that unsimilar to Ohio State's. So you're, you're, the fear in the back of your mind is it that Georgia's going to do to Ohio State what they did to Tennessee. And uh, that will, I think we'll probably be able to tell that relatively early if that's the case. And, you know, maybe it'll, maybe we'll be able to go out for uh, New Year's Eve after all. <laughs> um. So what is your number one concern for the Buckeyes in this game? Number one concern. It's run, not running, not running the football well. If if Georgia can make Ohio State one-dimensional, and obviously Georgia's run defense is the best in the country. So if Georgia makes Ohio State one-dimensional, then that's trouble. That's trouble. That'll that'll change the game. It'll make Ohio State and it will mean Ohio State will be punting the ball a lot, having not run much time off of the clock. And that's a bad, bad spot for Ohio State to be in. All right. Last question before I ask you to pick some games with me. Mm-hmm. What is your prediction for this game? Oh, gosh. I'm very good at this. Um, I'm going I'm to hedge my bet. I'm going to say this one is going to be very, very close with, you know, it could go either way, or it's going to be very, very lopsided with Georgia on the on the on the upper end. Um, I just I, the Michigan game was really exposed, really exposed to Ohio State to me. And you know, talent wise, these two teams are, with the exception of Alabama, the the two most talented 
most stocked with 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 future NFL players in the country. And so you can't sit there and say, well, there's you know, there's this big gap between Georgia and Ohio State in terms of talent. There's not. But right. when you've watched the team, and obviously Georgia has rolled since the SEC championship game last year, Ohio State's last game was when they looked really, really bad. And Ohio State, let's be honest here, we've gone two seasons at Ohio State without a without a big win. You know, this year, your best win is Penn State, Notre Dame, neither one of which are world beaters, neither one of which have near as much talent as you do. Last year, the two best teams you played were were Oregon and Michigan, which beat you. And I, I'm trying to think back to two years ago, was that the year that they get, that they lost to Alabama and got run off the field by Alabama in the national championship game? So it's been a while since Ohio State has really stepped up and won a game like this. And I think that's why you hear a lot of the concerns about is Ryan Day the next John Cooper? Is, is Ohio State going to have to make a change at coach? But getting back to your question, yeah, I think it's either – you know, a, a toss up. Somebody wins on the last play of the game, or it's Georgia wins by a couple of touchdowns. All right. So now I'd like to uh, I'd like to get you to pick these New Year's Six games. They start actually in about an hour. Um, right. So we're gonna start off with the Orange Bowl, or as we call it on this podcast, the fight to be Shane Beamer's favorite child, Tennessee versus Clemson. Clemson is a four and a half point favorite. Over under is sixty one. You don't have to pick the spread or the over under. We just put it in there for the context. Right? Isn't it appropriate that these two teams are playing in in a bowl game called the Orange Bowl? <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Clemson, just purely on standpoint of the quarterback, Clemson, Clemson could be in the playoffs right now if they had made that change to quarterback earlier. Um, but uh, but they're not. Uh, and in, in the meantime, Tennessee's rolling in with with their backup quarterback, who uh, that was a guy at quarterback when they lost to when they got run off the field by South Carolina, right? Obviously, the guy doesn't play defense. That guy didn't give up sixty three points. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I think I'll take Clemson in that one. All right, next one is Kansas State versus Alabama, and Alabama is only a seven-point favorite. Over/under is fifty-six. I think even a disinterested Alabama team probably runs that one up. So I definitely would uh, definitely take Alabama. Everybody's playing, right? Bryce Young is playing, and and yep. Will Anderson is playing. Everybody's playing. Yeah. Alabama has. I think they lost three receivers to the portal that are not okay. playing. Um, but, I mean, honestly, if they were any good, they wouldn't be transferring. Right. And Alabama is, like Ohio State, at wide receiver is just a revolving. You know, they got, they got somebody waiting in the wings for sure. All right. We got Tulane versus USC, who is a two-point favorite over under at 63. Hmm. <laughs> Tulane's a you know Tulane's a fun story because of Willie Fritz. Obviously, did a great job at Georgia Southern, and uh, his departure from Georgia Southern kind of put Georgia Southern into a tailspin that they're just now getting out of. At the same time, I don't know that uh, yeah, Willie Fritz is not taking any snaps or throwing any passes. So I think <laughs> I'll take the I'll take the Heisman Trophy winner and and the Trojans. So something interesting about this game, and I didn't even know this when we did our picks earlier in the week is that Caleb Williams is 
closer to 50% than 100% for Southern California. Mm. I think I'm still taking USC, but that kind of explains that two-point line because, I I mean, I figured it would have been like 17-plus. Yeah. Well, this game reminds you a little bit of, of Cincinnati and Georgia a couple of years ago, right, where it's like, okay, so is Georgia disinterested? It's How good really is that that group of five team? And Cincinnati came in and, and took them to the wire. So, you know, Tulane very well may do the same. So we've got the Rose Bowl, Penn State versus Utah, who is a two-and-a-half or two-point favorite over-unders 52-and-a-half. I can't pick Penn State, so I got to take Utah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Utah, is a, it, it's really interesting. It, the biggest – one of the biggest surprises to me this season was was their loss to Florida in week one. Uh, yes. That really set the tone for this whole season. And, you know, they you got to love their quarterback. You, you, you love – I mean, the coach has been there for – I mean, it's old school, right? He's been there forever. And uh, I think he succeeded Urban Meyer, right? I mean, that's how long he's been there. Yeah, no, I think he's going on, I want to say like 17 years, yeah, something crazy. Yeah, Meyer went to Florida probably about 20 years ago, so it's yeah, it's got to be close to that. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely will take Utah. I, I'm not one of these – I'm not one of these – all apologies to the SEC people. I don't root for other teams in the Big Ten. I don't talk smack about the Big Ten. <laughs> I hope they all lose every single week, especially Penn State and Michigan. The only time I root for Penn State is when they play Michigan. <laughs> oh and I, as long as the rose bowl is as good as it has been for the last few years i don't care who wins that game if i'm being honest i just like good games because in the in the summertime when i'm bored i'll go back and watch the good games watch them yeah yeah and there's no better setting than than that that stadium uh in the late afternoon uh, yeah that rose bowl's a, it's a it's a must see no matter who's playing and if Utah would have beat Florida, they might have, they may have had an argument right. to be in the playoffs. Right, you're you're exactly right. Yeah, that's it, it, this year, and, and I know we're kind of backtracking, but two losses is is hard to overcome. One loss, yeah. you're fine. Two loss, it's you're pretty much doomed. At least until yeah. we get the twelve team playoff. Utah as a two loss conference champion that beat the Heisman trophy winner twice that would have been a very interesting argument to me yeah guess the one loss Ohio State the one loss TCU I don't think they would have even thought twice um speaking of TCU we've got the Fiesta Bowl TCU versus Michigan who's a seven and a half point favorite that line's actually moved a little bit over under is 57 right I, I you're going to have me on record doing something I never do, and that's say that Michigan's going to win. But, um, at the same time, if this thing is – if we're picking against the spread, maybe I take TCU just because I – just Max Duggan and and what Sonny Dykes has done over there, they're in every game. They're in every game. And that's not to say that if in crunch time that they're going to be able to pull it out. But as we saw against Kansas State and what – I consider one of the the great coaching blunders of this season yes. where they have the ball on the goal line and they take the ball out of Max Duggan's hands and and try to run it in. But, uh, but yeah, you know, a big picture standpoint, Michigan is, Michigan is rolling. It's Harbaugh, whatever he was missing for his first four or five or six years, he seems to have found it. And so I think you're going to see, you're going to see Michigan advance there. 
Yeah, and I think we talked about this one the other night. If, if TCU's defense can step up and get a few turnovers, I think this game is going to be much more interesting than a lot of people expect. Right, because right, there's not going to be a lot of possessions here. I mean, you know, Sonny Dykes, yeah, he likes to throw the ball around, but they're also more than capable of eating up clock, and Michigan's going to eat up clock as well. They're going to TCU's going to have to eat up clock just because their defense is going to need a rest because they've spent so much time on the field. So you're right. There are a couple of turnovers here and there that could really swing this one. And then we've kind of already talked about this, but uh, Ohio State versus Georgia. We got the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. The spread is six and a half, but the over-under is a whopping 62. Right, right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna pull Herb Street and say I'm not gonna pick this one. <laughs> no, I understand. I, I know hate picking Georgia games. I it's part of the podcast, but I hate it. Yeah, I don't bet on Georgia. I I don't either. I stay away. Yeah, uh, sometimes I'll do a I'll do a bet where it says, you know, if my team loses, then I'll wear your team's colors and vice versa. But that's about as far as I go uh, when it comes to this. But I haven't had that. I haven't had that broach to me yet. So you won't see me wearing any Georgia clothes, regardless. So I, pretty much the same colors. Yeah, they are very close. <laughs> Somebody said I had the Ohio State shirt on yesterday. Like, oh, you got a Georgia shirt on? I said no, and I pulled back the thing, and there was the uh, <laughs> there was the um, logo. So, all right. So, the last few questions we've got here is uh, just a couple rapid fire, and the reason we do this is because because of the internet. There's so many people that hate other people just because of an opinion when they know nothing about them. So we try to just try and give people a little bit of backstory, a little bit of common ground to go on here. So first question is, what is your first college sports memory? Doesn't have to be football. Doesn't have to be Ohio State. Uh, well, let's see. It was Ohio State. It was uh, – well, there were two, and I, I have to go back now because there's one that I remember and there's one that my dad says I remember. The one my dad says I remember is Woody Hayes uh, punching the player against Clemson. I would have been – two or three years old at that time. Uh, but the one that really sticks in my mind um, was uh, Tom Watson chipping in to beat Jack Nicholas at Pebble Beach in the U.S. Open. Uh, Jack Nicholas grew up 10 minutes from where I did. So Jack Nicholas was a bit of a legend in my house. But those were the two things that, from a young child, that, that I carry with me. So if you were a recruit and could not go to Ohio State, where would you go for your top three official visits? Today. Speaking today or when I was in college or when I was that age? Uh, we'll say today. Okay, today. Um, trying to think because there's – it used to be pretty easy because I knew – I worked in the – I worked in the in the industry. I worked in the sports, so I knew the coaches that I really liked. And that probably would have been a, a big driver for me. But um, I would probably say Georgia, Miami, just because it's in Miami and there's a bit of an attitude there. And, uh, and because I liked vacation at Clemson on the lake, I'll say Clemson. Although uh, Davo and I would not have gotten along. Dabo doesn't get along with a lot of people. I would say most people. <laughs> We're big Dabo haters on this show. Yeah, well, yeah. he knows how to. He knows how to generate headlines. 
any publicity is good publicity, right? That's right. That's exactly right. So pick a spot outside of the United States for your team to host their rivalry game. Wow. That's an interesting one. I'm trying to think of somewhere where it might or would get the most attention. And that's the problem with with American football, right? Is it's not very well known outside of America, especially the college game. So I'd have to take somewhere where I could enjoy myself. So I'd put it uh, somewhere in the Caribbean. How about um, the British Virgin Islands? They don't have a stadium. There you go. But we could we could make it up. I'm sure they got a soccer stadium somewhere that'll fit a few thousand people. Yeah, yeah a few hundred probably. <laughs> <laughs> So what is the best spot in the stadium to have a seat? Well, press box, because you got food. <laughs> you got food, you got a private bathroom. You know, we. You know, I think I was telling you this the other day. Is I've never been to a Georgia game as a fan. I've only been as a sports writer. And I loved going to that game in Sanford Stadium because Sanford has, in the press box, it's an open-air press box, which I prefer. Um, but at Sanford, when it's cold, they have little heaters along the baseboard. So you stay warm the entire time. So I'm going to say the press box, but, um, just about any seat in a stadium is, is fine. Uh, I quite frankly prefer football on television. I just think it's the experience is so much better. You know, there's, you don't miss anything. You got the replays, you got your refrigerator, your bathroom, it's uh, football is one of those sports. And I heard this not too long ago. They were talking about the NFL is the football was a sport that was created for television and, uh, and the networks yeah, do such a, that. yeah, the networks do such a, a good job with them. Uh, we don't have any glowing footballs or anything like that in, uh, in football. So yeah, it's either, uh, it's either the press box or the couch, one of the two. So I was actually lucky enough to sit in a suite for the Oregon game to open the season. Oh, okay. And having oh, uh, Mercedes Benz, yeah, yeah, having a cushioned seat mm -hmm. where you had your own bathroom and you had easy access to food and drinks, it is get spoiled. Yeah, it's one of those like, man, is it worth doing it any other way? And then you know, I I was able to be at the Tennessee game because we've got season tickets, and I was like, <laughs> some games it's worth even if you stand on the street next to the stadium yeah yeah so a bad seat's a good seat if the game is good enough there's no doubt right so what team or fan base is your favorite to talk trash to oh well here it's it's georgia you know and it's it's uh, for a long time i had a good run but uh, the <laughs> last uh the last 300 and well, I guess 350 days or so have been kind of rough because Georgia finally broke through and, and did what they hadn't done in 40 years. Um, so I have a lot of friends who are Notre Dame fans too. And so I do enjoy uh, rubbing it in with them, but they, they've almost given up when they talk about playing the, 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 the upper elite team. So it's not as much fun to rag on them anymore, but uh, the Georgia fans are fun and, Believe me, if, uh, if Ohio State can pull an upset um, tomorrow night, I will. The Georgia fans, I will not let them forget it at least until next Labor Day. <laughs> uh, 
All right, Adam, that is going to do it for this little bonus episode. I've got I got a little bit of housekeeping to do at the end. So if you want to go ahead and jump off, I want to thank you very much for coming on short notice. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I really, truly appreciate it. And uh, I hope you have a great new year, except for about four hours. Yeah, except for New Year's Eve. Yeah. Well, and if it's uh, high state Michigan, I expect you to have a bonus episode to preview that one. And I'll be there. <laughs> all right all right thanks john see ya yes sir thank you all right guys just a little bit of housekeeping to close it out here because we have let's say 30 hours until we're doing the asw giveaway drawing and i got news yesterday that this month's giveaway is a bottle of ASW's Glory Glory Fiddler Special Edition for the National Championship. Um, got all the normal swag to go with it. Uh, ASW hat, ASW t-shirt, nothing finer t-shirt, nothing finer koozie, nothing finer sticker. So, like we keep saying, follow ASW Distillery, follow at nothing.finer.pod. Every person you tag is another entry into the giveaway for your opportunity to get that bottle that was hard to find when it came out, but it is a, so much harder to find right now. Um, I found something that I want to talk about real quick, and I almost forgot. It is time to talk about my favorite distillery that makes bourbon and just so happens to be in Atlanta. You're, you guys know by now, founded by multiple UGA grads. And I've gotten to be friends with the guys behind the whiskey. And like I said, I'm just going to keep shouting from the rooftops. For the last four years running, ASW Distillery is the most awarded craft distillery in America at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, including multiple gold medals for their Fiddler Bourbon line. And just as exciting as all of that good whiskey, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, five, you heard me right, five UGA grads behind the scenes making this bourbon. Go to their battery location to sit down with David Booth, have a drink, or pick up a bottle of Fiddler for a tailgate or, you know, it's holiday season. You got to deal with that annoying family member. Fiddler helps. ASW Distill, delicious bourbon distilled by dogs. Follow our other social medias while you're at it. Twitter is at FinerPod. The Facebook group to join is just search Nothing Finer Podcast. YouTube, search Nothing Finer Podcast. Make sure it's got our logo in it. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Hope everybody has a happy new year and... Uh, Always remember, there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. And I hope you're all drunk tomorrow night. It's third down Bryce Young's career. You need 10. Play clock at four. From the pocket. Launching downfield. Underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone. And Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide.